The Presbyterian Church USA has a long history. Presbyterians in the United States share a representative form of government. King George III referred to the American Revolution as that Presbyterian Rebellion. Today, the Presbyterians, like all historical Protestant churches in the United States, are steadily losing members and influence. The church is asking basic questions, such as its role and its future. <laughs> Last night, one of the young adults that I'm staying with here during the General Assembly uh, came home and told a story about a friend who has is not Presbyterian, but has been watching online and all the tweets about what's going on and all the Twitter feed about what's going on at the assembly. And she said that his comment to her was, wow, like this doesn't totally suck, <laughs> right? And I thought, that's it. That's what we're, I'm aiming for that, right? I want that young adult who thinks that it all just sucks because the way we've been allowing, allowing ourselves to be portrayed and honestly, the way we have too often acted is as if we don't actually care about real people in real situations, that we care more about the doctrine and the belief sets. And what I want is a conversation about what happens when we start opening this up. My 21-year-old son said to me as I left for this assembly, Dad, if this church takes action to divest from fossil fuel, that matters to me. Now, he's not interested in church on Sunday morning. He's certainly not interested in, in the, the doctrine of the Presbyterian church, though he was raised in it. He understands it. it. None of it does anything for him. But what matters to him is where are we willing to show up? And I think he's like a lot of other people, not just who are in their 20s, but frankly, people of all ages. I know plenty of people who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who gave up on the institutional church a long time ago because they thought rightly that the church didn't give a damn about the things that actually matter in the world. And the more we reclaim that territory, the more those folks are back in a conversation. That was Rick Ufford Chase, a former moderator of the General Assembly from 2004 to 2006. He was at the assembly this year advocating for fossil fuel divestment. The fossil fuel divestment movement is taking place not just in our church, but all over the world right now. It's a very exciting social justice movement. And I believe the churches have a huge potential to impact the movement for positive change. And this assembly, uh, we had 31 presbyteries. There are 171 presbyteries that make up the Presbyterian Church USA, and they all send representatives and business to the General Assembly. So to get 31 presbyteries to all get on board and call on the national church to divest our, uh, our investments from the fossil fuel industry as a group, that's no small thing for us. It's hard to get 31 presbyteries to agree on anything. And for them to come together around an issue that is this significant and challenging is a huge effort. And so now the question before this assembly is, what are we going to do? Do we have the courage to agree that the fossil fuel industry is killing us? And good people are in it. We are all caught up in it. We are all complicit. We're all users of fossil fuels. And the question is, how can we wean ourselves from this addiction and move ourselves to a sustainable energy future? Despite a strong grassroots campaign and the support of many former moderators, the resolution to divest Presbyterian holdings from energy companies on the Carbon 200 list failed. This is a huge opportunity lost for the church, according to advocates like Upper Chase. And if the church isn't willing to step out first and lead the way, my goodness, we've got a big problem here. All we're asking, all we're asking is that we withdraw our financial resources and refuse to benefit from the fossil fuel industry that clearly, undeniably, is putting all of us at risk. While the fossil fuel defeat was a huge loss for progressives, the General Assembly did vote to keep pressure on Israel. 
In 2014, the Presbyterian Church became the largest church body in the United States to divest from three companies, Caterpillar, Hewlett-Packard, and Motorola Solutions because of the supplies and services these companies provide Israel in its occupation of the West Bank and Gaza. This year, the Assembly rejected attempts to disassociate itself from the boycott-divest sanctions movement. Jeffrey Dio is the director of the Israel-Palestine Mission Network of the Presbyterian Church. One of the organizations that promotes BDS is the U.S. campaign um, to end the occupation. And there was a measure that came before the committee and the General, General Assembly, ultimately, to, um, to disassociate the Presbyterian Church from the U.S. campaign to end the occupation. And uh, unfortunately, the United Methodist Church just a few weeks ago in Portland uh, did take action to disassociate itself as a church from the U.S. campaign. Now, what we did was we basically stood up, and, and I did myself in a hearing, and say, you know, I've, I've been to these annual meetings of the U.S. campaign, and the one thing that I can tell you for sure is that this is as as diverse and opinionated a group as our own church is, and that there and that many people have different many different opinions as to how boycott and divestment and sanctions should go forward. So some may believe in an all-out academic and cultural boycott of Israel. The Presbyterian Church doesn't stand for that. We we stand for boycott of Israeli settlement products. We stand for divestment from companies that profit from non-peaceful pursuits in Palestine, and we call upon the U.S. government to bring sanctions in terms of uh, not giving aid to Israel as, as long as the occupation persists. And what happens in the BDS movement is that people understand within the context of the movement that there are different approaches to um, trying to solve this problem and bring peace in the midst of conflict. And sometimes we'll agree and sometimes we don't. But we're all striving for the same thing. Ned Roche of the Portland Chapter for Jewish Voice for Peace was also at the assembly. So we had a delegation of about 15 people. We just had the opportunity for a week to mingle with folks from all over the country who really are here to, to try to uh, do the right thing. And, um, you know, they... For example, they decided uh, in this resolution overwhelmingly to prayerfully study, you know, in a sense, what would Jesus do around this issue of the call for BDS, boycott, divestment, sanctions by an oppressed people. And that's huge, because that means that churches around the country will be encouraged to prayerfully study this call and learn about the BDS movement before just listening to the maligning that happens around that movement by the other side. Nahida Gordon, whose family left their home during what Palestinians call the Nakba, or the catastrophe, in 1948, was never allowed to return. She still has the keys to her childhood home. At the General Assembly, she advocated for a resolution to put pressure on Israel to end torture and imprisonment of Palestinian children. And uh, this I was very happy to see passed overwhelmingly with 83% affirmative vote. I think the church is, on the whole, uh, really being beginning to understand more and more of what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And I see a, a progression uh, in its uh, willingness to, to, do, uh, to say the right thing. Uh, I would like it to see it do, not just say, but do the right thing as well. More of that. So I'm, I, I feel very good about what's going on. Um, I feel encouraged, but we have a long way to go yet. 
In March 2015, the Presbyterian Church approved marriage for same-gender couples just three months ahead of the U.S. Supreme Court. An attempt to reverse that decision was soundly defeated by a 70% majority vote at this assembly. For Presbyterians, the fierce decades-long battle for justice for LGBTQ people in regards to ordination and marriage appears to be over. This is Ray Bagnuolo, chaplain of That All May Freely Serve, an organization that advocates for LGBTQ rights in the Presbyterian Church. Right now we are probably among the most welcoming um, denominations on the face of the planet. Are we ordain people regardless of whether they identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, straight, transgender. If you have a call, we consider your call. We've changed our constitution to make that possible. We we allow our ministers, ministers of word and sacrament, to perform marriages for all people as they would any couple who um, is intent on creating that sacred union between themselves based on the love that they share. Yet the church wasn't ready to apologize to the harm it has done to LGBTQ people over these past decades. But it, it is especially frustrating and hurtful um, following the largest mass shooting in the United States history against the queer church, queer, the queer uh, community in Orlando at Pulse when here we were meeting and we had the chance to, to make a statement about how this denomination was going to be engaged in the national discussion of, of healing and reversal of this violence that produced this, the outcome of this kind of violence. So we really had a chance, and you know, there are times in our history when, when we were in that situation. I, I always think of George Bush standing on the rubble after 9-11 with the world on one side of him and the military-industrial complex on the other and the choice that he made. Um, we were in that situation at this General Assembly where we could have really um, taken all the decisions and the work we've done in so many other ways and lifted it up in a powerful dynamic. So that was especially disheartening. So, you know, every day that goes by, somebody else is experiencing violence and marginalization that had we spoken with our voice at this assembly, I think we could have changed a little bit. So. The Presbyterian Church became more outspoken in regards to science. They endorsed the Clergy Letter Project, a statement that says in part that the theory of evolution is a foundational scientific truth. Founder of the Clergy Letter, Michael Zimmerman, watched the decision closely. What's so important is this gives credibility to the Clergy Letter Project, which makes it more likely that more clergy will actually sign on and participate. And the reason that's important is we can reach many more people with the message that religion and science are not in any way in conflict for reasonable people. Um, the battle that is portrayed as being between religion and science, in fact, is between one religious group, a group of, of basically fundamentalists, and they're perfectly able to have their beliefs, but they shouldn't be promoting them, um, proselytizing and forcing public schools to be doing their bidding. The battle, therefore, is between uh, different views of religion, PCUSA has taken um, a perfectly reasonable view of religion and science and endorsed the Clergy Letter Project, as has the United Methodist Church and numerous, numerous other um, organizations, denominations, and individuals as well. So I've had, as, you, as I'm sure you know, John, I've had a good number of uh, people contact me who say, had I known what uh, the church could be like, that it could accept evolution, that it could accept modern science. I would have been there many, many years ago, but I left when they were saying you have to choose between science and religion. That's why 
the Presbyterian Church USA taking a stand is so very important. It helps both science and religion. The Presbyterian Church USA is 93% white. Yet, at this assembly, the body elected as its stated clerk the highest office in the denomination, J. Herbert Nelson. Nelson is the first African American to be elected stated clerk. The body also elected for the first time co-moderators and both women, Jan Edmiston and Denise Anderson. Anderson, at 37, is the youngest person to hold that office, and she also is African-American. J. Herbert Nelson said this is a mandate for change. Presbyterian Church USA has been complicit with the issues of racism in the United States as well as sexism, and I think the nomination of these women and also my own nomination and election to office um, uh, really brings to light uh, the need for the denomination to look at some serious and significant change. Nelson also said that the church shouldn't be afraid to address controversial issues. I think we'll continue to wrestle with these types of issues, and I think that's really what makes the church relevant, is the, is the fact that we're willing to wrestle with them, but oftentimes others are willing to sit back and hold on to traditional beliefs as though the world is not changing around them. Reporting on the work of the Presbyterian Church USA General Assembly that met at the Oregon Convention Center in Portland, I'm John Shuck for KBOO.